What is good, guys? Welcome back. The draft is officially over. I hope that you enjoyed it. This whole buildup has been crazy for months. And uh, now it is officially over. The draft is complete. And now we get to look back at all the guys who the teams drafted and try and figure out and make sense of it all. <clears throat> um, I had an awesome time in Las Vegas. Uh, I went there with my girl. We went to both of John Chapman's parties. Uh, met a bunch of cool people there. So obviously John Chapman was there. Wayne Breezy was there. Uh, shout out to Salty. Um, who else was there? There was a lot of people. Um, appreciate all of you who are new listeners as well. Um, I feel like I've been gaining a ton of followers. It's pretty crazy. I recently surpassed 500 Twitter followers. And I think I probably got a bunch of other people who are now going to be watching or listening to the show and subscribing. So I appreciate you if you're a new listener and I hope that you enjoy and you continue to listen. Um, yeah, over 500 followers now on Twitter, like 540, which is crazy because just hit 500, like I think a week ago. So appreciate you if you are a new listener. And, uh, again, I just, I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, this is my passion project and I hope that you feel that. So as far as Vegas goes, uh, Vegas was It was awesome. I'm not big on the gambling thing. I just went because of all the events. So day one, Chapman's party for day one of the draft was amazing. Had a chance to meet Fred Warner. Also met Elijah Mitchell. Um, Super cool just meeting them in person. (laughs) First time I've ever actually met like an NFL player. And I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Um because I knew I was going to be meeting Fred Warner, I actually bought a, uh, a hat at the lids. They actually had a lids in the casino, like the casinos. It's like all the, a bunch of the casinos are like connected by these bridges and uh, these like, these like hallways with all the stores and stuff. And so in between where I was staying at the Luxor and Mandalay Bay, which is where the party was, there was a lids in between. And, about two, three hours before the party, I was like, I want to go figure out where the party is going to be happening. So my girl and I, we just start walking down and Hey, let's go find it. And, oh, cool. Look, a lids. And I go in there and oh, I think I'm going to get a hat. And you know, let me, let me think about it. Cause I can't really decide on which hat I want. And so I end up going and finding it. I see Chapman and you know, say hi to him. Um, he's got to get everything all set up. I end up going back and I think I ended up going and like working out. Um, so I went and I bought a hat, just a real simple, just red Niners hat. But I got the, uh, Liz does the embossing. So you can get like embossed stitching on the side. So you can get like players, signatures and numbers. So I got Fred Warner's signature and number 54 embossed on the side of the hat. And then later on that night, so I wore that to the, to the party. And then when Fred Warner was there, I was like, dude, I got this on a hat. I was like, will you sign this? And he signed my hat. So freaking stoked about that. <laughs> so that was super cool. Um, obviously it was a quick meet and greet. You know, we only had a chance to talk to him for as long as it takes, you know, him to like sign a photograph and whatever and get a couple pictures. Um, but it was really cool because I was like, dude, I want to ask him a question. What would, what's a good question? And the only thing that I could think of was just like, 
Fred, what is it like being out there on game day? And he just said, it's incredible. You feel like you're a superhero out there. And I was like, that's awesome. That makes total sense. But yeah, because he's, he's Fred Warner looks like a freaking superhero. Like the dude is like six foot three and like built like Superman or whatever. So <laughs> it was super cool. Elijah Mitchell was super chill. Um, I thanked him for all that he had done. And then he thanked me, which is cool. Uh, got to appreciate how humble he is. Just, you know, thanking the fans for just being there and supporting for him and rooting for him. Um, but yeah, the draft party, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, day one of the draft went by and it was every single, every single pick. It was like, is Debo going to get traded? What's happening? And in general, the pick, uh, most of the draft made sense uh, in terms of like the picks, at least on day one. There was a couple that surprised me. Um, I still can't believe that Trent Baalke decided to <laughs> go with Trayvon Walker. Like he's like, you know what? I'm going to go metrics over production because that turned out great. <laughs> so Trent Baalke continuing to do Trent Baalke things. Uh, taking the, uh, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that uh, the edge that he took first overall, I think that's the name, right? Uh, Walker. Um, anyways, uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be like the Jadeveon Clowney of this class, meaning just like physical freak, just like athletic testing through the roof. Uh, but the production never quite matches. So I'm pretty sure that that's uh, what's going to happen. Um, you know, if, if you're that much of a physical outlier, why is there not the production? That's, it's a legitimate question. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Usually we won't know how good these draft picks are for a couple of years. Anyways, that's my general thought on the draft is it typically takes about three full seasons to really know how good a player is and what they are. Sometimes, you know, right away, sometimes you don't, but I mean, really it, it typically takes about three years, uh, three full seasons to get to know what a player is because players develop, they improve, they they go up, they go down, they adapt to the physicality, all that kind of stuff. So day one was awesome. Uh, not really a whole lot of crazy things happened during day one. There was a lot of trades, though. A lot of trades. Um, yeah. And Pittsburgh Steelers taking Kenny Pickett. That was an interesting choice. They play in, like, the worst weather, and they choose the guy with baby hands. Like, his hands are the size of my girlfriend's hands. So, you know, take that as you will. And she's 5'4", so it's not like she's some, like, you know, six-foot, like, Nordic chick or something. <laughs> the dude has baby hands. And uh, they play in, like, the worst weather. And, you know, it's like uh, you're in a division with Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Deshaun Watson. And your answer is Kenny Pickett. Okay, we will see how that turns out. Again, typically it takes three years to really know, um, but it didn't really make sense, especially because there was everything coming out about how much they love Malik Willis. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, the quarterbacks dropped off like crazy. Um, what was it? I think there was it was Kenny Pickett in the first, and then there was none selected in the second, and then I think two went in the third. Um, I can't even really remember. I think Carson, was it Carson Strong that didn't even get drafted? 
I think he went undrafted and people thought he was like a top five QB. Sam Howell went in the fifth. This was, <laughs> this is a shit draft <laughs> for quarterbacks. Um, yeah. Malik Willis went in the third. Whoever said that, uh, whoever I heard saying that Malik Willis was a better prospect than Trey Lance. How dare you? And if you're saying that Trey Lance is like a fourth or a fifth round prospect, we will see what happens because I'm, I'm pretty convinced Trey Lance is going to be a baller. Day two of the draft was also a lot of, also a lot of fun. Um, before the draft, I had a really, really fun morning. Uh, I went and saw my aunt, got breakfast with her. Uh, and then I rented a Porsche, uh, shout out to Turo. It's a pretty kick-ass app. I was like, I want to rent a Porsche. And so I rented a Porsche, uh, Porsche Boxster. So that convertible and my girl and I, we went on a hike and we just took the Porsche and just drove it out into the desert and just convertible Porsche driving through the Hills. It was, it was a fun time. Went on a nice hike and then got back and went to a day two party with uh, Chapman and the 49ers rush pod. Uh, did a bunch of streaming with Chapman too. It was an awesome time. Um, so chances are a lot of you who are listening, you probably saw me there. Um, I had a great time. It was really cool meeting all of you as well. So thank you. That's how we met. And uh, yeah, it was just overall, it was fun. Uh, this was, I know the draft itself and all the picks weren't exactly what we were hoping, but I will say that this was an awesome trip and it was worth the money. Even though my pockets hurt a little bit, uh, it was worth it. So getting into the actual draft itself. Now that I've kind of got all that intro and rants and everything out of the way, um, some general thoughts that I had on the draft before we get into the specific prospects. So general thoughts, uh, Niners go defensive line again early. So this is now, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think six of the last eight drafts, the Niners have went defensive line. Uh, the Shanahan and Lynch regime, they have now went with defensive line for four of their six drafts. So they show us how they want to build the team, the defensive line. And they will continue to build through the defensive line. And I like it because everyone talks about, you know, uh, pass rush versus coverage. And there's that never ending debate. Um, I know PFF is kind of on the side of like coverage is more important. I can understand that perspective. My one rebuttal on that is that coverage tends to fluctuate a lot more, whereas defensive line performance is a lot more predictable and consistent. And so if you can build a dominant defensive line, that will be consistently uh, more reliable to affect the quarterback. Um, and, you know, I would much rather rely on a rotation of guys that I believe in over hoping that I've got six, five or six coverage guys that are all doing their job consistently well when that's such a, it's, it fluctuates so much. Um, very rarely do, are, are the same corner. If you notice, very rarely is it the same corners every year who go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, but defensive linemen, it is very consistently the same ones. 
So that's what I mean. If, if you have a good defensive end, chances are he's going to be good year in, year out. Whereas if you have a very good corner, he may have a, a good game. He may have a bad game. He may have a good year. He may have a bad season. It kind of goes up and down. It fluctuates a lot more. So I totally understand building through the defensive line. And uh, that's just my take on it. So they continue to build through the defensive line. The other thing that's interesting is they added speed at wide receiver and power at running back. And in addition to power running running back, they drafted two offensive linemen. Um, now, what's also interesting about that is that they drafted two tackles that they could also said could kick into guard, but they didn't draft a center. So I don't know if that means that it's more likely that Alex Mack is going to stick around or if they just have a lot more faith in Dan Brunskill and Jake Brendel than we do. Um, but yeah, I, I did think it was interesting. Uh, I will say I really like that they did that, though, because, again, depth and competition on offensive line, you're protecting Trey which is good. You're giving him speed to stretch the field and a powerful run game. And it does also look based off of some of the draft picks that they've had that it seems like we're going to be moving into a little bit more of a uh, inside zone and power running game. Um, And we'll get into that in a little bit. But I really like that they went, the the kind of philosophy on offense that they went for was protect Trey, give him speed to stretch the field, and help in the run game. That's, that's awesome. I like that. I like that general philosophy for the offense. You know, invest in the offensive line, give some speed to stretch the field, and add running back depth to help with the run game. Those are all things that you can do that are going to help it help make Trey's transition to being a full-time starter. It's going to help him. So I do really like that. Uh, they also drafted two cornerbacks and no safeties. That was another interesting thing. Um, our cornerback depth is looking very good now. Now you're looking at starting corners. Uh, you're looking at Charvarius Ward, who we just got the free agency. You got Emmanuel Mosley with uh, going into the second year, uh, or I guess his second year of his two-year deal. So we've got those two guys who are both, in my opinion, good outside corners. Uh, you've also got Ambry Thomas, who can play outside, and he played solid last year. Uh, after after about two, three games, I thought that he played well in the final few. And then behind them, now, you've got Demo Lenore, who's going into second year. He could play outside or he can play nickel. I believe that they want him to play nickel. They also have Dante Johnson on the team. Uh, Whether or not you like him, I think that he's an okay slot. Ideally, he's like your number six corner. But we also added uh, Tyreek Castro-Fields out of Penn State, who... Uh, to me, profiles as a press man or press zone outside corner, somebody who's physical, who likes to play press man. And they also added another corner uh, who could potentially play a slot, uh, Samuel Womack out of Toledo, who I'd never heard of, but 
after learning a little bit, I like the pick. But that's a lot of cornerback depth, and it's a lot of young cornerback depth. I think that's, uh, let's see here. So Traverius, Mosley, uh, Ambry, Demo. That's six corners that are 25 years old or younger. We're probably only going to take five or six into the season. So we have very, very good young cornerback depth. I I really like that. Um, we've got outside depth as well as slot. So outside, we've got Traverius Ward. We've got Mosley. We've got Ambry Thomas. In the slot, we've got... Um, we've got Mosley can play slot. We've got Demo Lenore, who I believe they drafted initially last year to play slot. They also drafted Womack to play in the slot. And they've also got uh, Tyreek Castro-Fields on the outside. So we've legit got three or four outside corners and three or four inside corners because Mosley can either play outside or he can play nickel. So I really like that. Really like that we've got that safe, that uh, corner depth. Because I never want to be looking at, I never again want to be seeing Josh Norman, um, Dre Kirkpatrick, and Dante Johnson playing outside corner. Um, so the fact that we should never have to see that again, that makes me happy. <clears throat> uh, no safeties. So that was interesting. I, I don't know why they didn't draft a single safety. My guess is they must feel confident in the guys that they have. Um to me, what that what that says is not only did they like how well Hafanga played, but I think that also tells me that they feel very good about Tarvarius Moore's rehab and how well he plays. And I thought I thought Tarvarius Moore, I thought that he had some pretty good flashes, and they were flashes. I don't think he was consistent enough, but he had some very very impressive flashes. Remember, he uh, he's a ball hawk. I think he had three interceptions uh, during our 2019 season, the Super Bowl run. I think he had three interceptions that season, even though he only started, um, I think, three or four games uh, when Ward was out. And then he only played uh, here and there in three safety uh, groupings. So, yeah, Tarverius Moore, he's a ball hawk. He has that 4-3 speed. And... That kind of makes me feel good about him. Also, I guess they must feel good about Odom, too. So, kind of interesting they didn't draft a single safety. They must be confident. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that they drafted some guys who I had never heard of. So, that just means more film. Uh, They also have met with five of their nine draft picks, and four of them were official top 30 visits. So, they really, really... It was fun because I remember going through this list and uh, I was like trying to think like, who are they going to draft? And it legitimately was a lot of the guys who they met with, like half of their draft picks they met with, you know, whether it was an official top 34 of them. And I think, uh, I don't remember who exactly, but there was a fifth one that they also met with in a non-official visit. I'm sure we'll get to it. Uh, something else that was interesting, not a single trade. <laughs> we, uh, we've grown so accustomed to them just like trading in and out of different spots that I thought they were going to and go figure. They did not make a single trade during the draft. If you would have told me that they were not going to make a single trade, I wouldn't have believed you. I'd have been like, 
I don't believe you. But they didn't. It's crazy. And then the final thing is the undrafted free agents. They went crazy in the UDFAs like right away. Uh, we already signed Donovan West, Leon O'Neal. Uh, Jason Poe was the guy who... Jason Poe is a very athletic uh, offensive lineman that was very interesting as well. But yeah, we got we got Donovan West and Leon O'Neal. So Donovan West, center out of ASU, and Leon O'Neal, safety out of Texas A&M, undrafted already. I think we've already got uh, nine UDFAs. So it's good stuff and uh, a lot of film to watch. Also, like I said, I think we're switching more to a power running game. Because the uh, we also, I believe, are getting two undrafted free agent running backs. And they are more power running backs. We're talking like 220 pounders. So it seems to me like it's going to be a more physical downhill power running game with a vertical, uh, with more of a vertical passing uh, attack, which I like. Because we've had so much outside zone relying on speed and then needing that to open up uh, intermediate throws over the middle for Jimmy that it's nice to be able to switch things up, stretch the field, and then when they have to like, you know, stretch out, just power run it. So I like it. That seems to be the theme that they're moving to uh, just from like what I'm looking at in terms of their personnel. So um, a lot of film to watch. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch as much of these players as I wanted to, but I did take some time just to do, you know, a bit of research on all the prospects who we drafted. And I wanted to give you just my kind of general rundown and thoughts. So let's just go through all the picks here and how we do it on time. 20 minutes. Cool. So the first pick, like I mentioned, Edge, Drake Jackson out of USC. He was an official meet, so they uh, had one of their official 30 meets with him. Drake Jackson is six foot three. Uh, he measured in at 255 pounds, and we'll get to the weight. He is, if you want to just define Drake Jackson in terms of what he is as an edge rusher, speed, bend, length. He has those three things very, very He has those three things that he's very good at. He's also very young. Uh, He just turned 21. So very, very young player. Uh, When he originally went to USC, uh, I think his freshman year, they had him playing uh, between like 265, 270. And then USC, I don't follow college, but apparently the program there, they've just been changing schemes so much. Uh, that he's been asked to play different positions. He's played uh, like a basically a 3-4 defensive end uh, and then a 4-3 defensive end. And then he also had to play a 3-4 outside linebacker. So he's had to play multiple different positions lining up everywhere from three technique to wide nine. And they've asked him to change his body multiple times. So throughout his collegiate career, three seasons, he's measured everywhere between 270 and 240. Uh, So I am curious to see what weight that they want to put him at. Uh, John Lynch did say that their goal is to get players as light as possible without losing power. 
So he wants them to be as light as possible without losing their strength. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they figure is the best weight for him. Uh, my guess is probably somewhere in the 255 to 260 range. Um, but the good news is that since he's so young, like barely 21 years old, he has a lot of room to develop physically. And you get him in that NFL weight room and you get him playing a consistent position. Like, hey, you're going to be our 4-3 weak side defensive end pass rusher. And we want you to be 258 of lean, mean, quarterback killing machine. You know, Uh, whatever they decide that number is, they're going to be able to mold this kid. Like this is... This is kind of like what you want in terms of um, an edge rushing ball of clay uh, because he has the physical tools. So speed, I heard that he runs somewhere probably around like a 4640. He didn't officially run, but that's where it's been estimated at is a 4640. That's really fast. Uh, His three cone, he didn't do one at the combine, but he has previously tested with the three cone and he ran a seven second flat. He had a 37 inch vertical, which is, uh, I believe, 85th or 90th percentile. He had a 10-7 broad jump, which is around 90th percentile, 34 inch long arms, so very long arms. Um, And the bend that this kid has is crazy. So one of the, one of the things that he, he already has some pass rushing moves. So I was, uh, I was watching some highlights cause I, I didn't actually watch film on him. He was one of the couple defensive linemen I didn't have a chance to get to. Um, but I was watching some highlights and I'm going to have to watch film because highlights show you all the good stuff. They don't show you everything, but what they do show you is what they're capable of. And this kid can turn a corner like nobody. Like it's crazy how much bend he has, uh, especially his uh, his ankles. Like the way he is able to dip underneath offensive tackles, and instead of running, you know, when they like rush, and then the quarterback is able to like step up in the pocket, and the the edge rusher like runs way 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 around him. Uh, because he does, he's not able to turn the corner. This guy is able to use that speed rush and then just like hard turn and just like cut that corner off. Uh, he just has a crazy ability to bend and just turn and flatten that corner and get to the quarterback. So, you know, he's not, he's not beating the offensive tackle with like a speed rush to the outside where he needs like nine yards to do the full loop. Like he's doing it in like four or five yards where like, you know, one, two, three, and then he turns the next thing, you know, like he's coming right at the quarterback and the quarterback barely did a five step drop. So his ability to turn the corner is great. He's got long arms. Um, Obviously he needs to work on uh, some more of his pass rushing ability, but I mean, the, the kid is, like I said, he's a ball of clay and he's so young. Um, he does need to build some power. So he needs to build some strength. Uh, but check this out. PFF gave him an 88 pass rush grade 
and an 18% win rate. Those are both uh, 80th percentile. Let me bring this up here. Uh, yeah, so an 88 pass rush grade, a 90 true pass rush grade, and an 18 pass rush win rate. And those are all uh, 80th plus percentile for edge rushers in their metrics. Uh, and again, when you're talking the arm length, 75th percentile, the vertical, 80th, 80 something percentile, the broad jump, 90th percentile. Um, he's got the speed. He's got the burst off the edge. He's got the arm length. He's already got some moves. He's got bend and he's going to need to develop some power. But as a rookie, I think what they're basically going to do is say, Hey, you know what? For 10 or 20 snaps a game, we're just going to ask you to rush the passer. That's all we want you to do is we just want you to rush the power, rush, the, rush the passer. Uh, you know, if that's second and long third and long, you know, we're, we're going to give you 10 or 20 snaps a game. And we just want you to develop your pass rush and we're going to work on your body and we are going to mold you into a quarterback killer and pairing him up with the opposite of Bosa. Think about this now. Now you've got Bosa who is, you know, incredible, like one of the best defensive ends in the entire NFL. And then you have Eric Armstead in the middle, hopefully a healthy Javon Kinlaw. And then on the other side, now you've got Drake Jackson, this speed bendy edge rusher. And I'm very excited um, I'm very excited. This is this is one of the things that I really wanted was I really wanted them to get a specifically a speed rusher opposite of Bosa. And we got a speed rusher opposite of Bosa. And he's so young that in an NFL weight room with Chris Kosarek coaching him, learning from Bosa, the leadership and maturity of Eric Armstead, this is the perfect situation for this kid to learn and get molded into a very productive uh, edge rusher. So I'm very excited. Um, I'm excited to go watch more film, but that's kind of what I've, uh, what I've learned over the last couple days and my general thoughts on him. So love the pick. Um, I think I did a shadow draft and my first shadow draft pick, I went uh, Nick Benito uh, which is a different edge rusher. And then they went with an edge rusher. So didn't get the player right, but, uh, I got, I got the position right. And I think, ben, I think Benito went like, uh, two or three picks later. <laughs> uh, the second pick Ty Davis price running back out of LSU. <clears throat> um, couple things. First, I don't like spending a third rounder on a running back. Just that's too much draft capital for me to spend on a running back when you can get nearly the same production, in my opinion, from a fifth or sixth rounder. You've heard me say it before. I am a I am a big proponent of drafting run draft a running back every single year in the fifth or sixth round. I just think there's too many more important and also expensive uh positions in the third round. I think the drop-off between a third-round running back and a sixth-round running back is significantly different than the drop-off between a third and a sixth-round 
uh, wide receiver or edge rusher or offensive lineman or uh, safety, like pretty much any other position, um, the, the value there is just so much different. So I really wish that they didn't take a third round running back, but they did. That being said, um, he looks like a solid running back. Uh, so out of LSU, he's six foot tall. Um, he weighed in around, I think, 211 at the at the um, combine. As pro day, he weighed in around 219. So my guess is he was probably playing closer to 220. Um, they probably want him around like 215-ish. So he is a, he's a bigger back. Uh, but yeah, he looks solid. Uh, he's got he's got good speed. It's not great. It's not elite, but good speed. Four four eight forty. Uh, he is a strong, hard runner. He breaks tackles and he runs through defensive backs. He gained a lot of yards after contact. Uh, what I saw was that he had pretty good feet and jump cuts and vision, um, hitting the hole. Uh, especially on inside zone runs, he looked like he would, uh, he had quick feet and then he would see the hole and then he would just burst through the hole and then just run through contact. Uh, he wasn't super elusive, but guys would get a hold of him and they would either bounce off of his legs or if they did get a hand or an arm on him, he would typically drag them for another two, three, four, five yards. Uh, he loves to lower his shoulder and just run through guys. Uh, looked like a mostly an inside zone runner. Ultimately, it's running back depth. And uh, I think he's going to be productive. I think he will. Uh, he's a different running back than what we have. Trey Sermon is more of a uh, more of a more of a finesse inside zone runner um, who uses uh, vision and pacing. And Elijah Mitchell is more of a outside zone runner who just tries to hit the hole. This guy looks to be more of a inside zone runner uh, that is very much kind of like a one cut and then just down a hill, lower the shoulder and run through and over guys. So, uh, yeah, that's what I was saying about it. It seems like they are building more of a power running game. Um so I'm going to need to watch more film of his. What I will say, last season at LSU, he had 1,000 rushing yards, um, 4.8 yards per carry, which is okay. Um, and also, he is very young in terms of running backs, which I like. Less than 400 carries in college, which to me tells me that there is a lot of tread left on his tires. Uh, and he should be able to rush the ball a lot over the next uh, four years of his rookie contract. And I uh, hate to sound heartless, but that's what you got to do with running backs is uh, you, you draft them late, you draft them often, and you run them into the ground, and then you let them go find another contract. And it's heartless, but if, if I was playing GM, uh, that's how you keep a cheap and productive uh, run game, uh, is you, you find scheme fits, and then you just... Draft late, draft often, and uh, just don't spend money. Because look what happens when you pay the, you know, the Christian McCaffreys and the Saquon Barkleys. Well, I guess they didn't pay Saquon, but the Christian McCaffreys and the uh, Ezekiel Elliotts, and they get a huge contract, and then they're getting hurt, and uh, then you're just cap-strapped, and it's not a good thing. 
So Ty Davis Price, um, if they would have drafted him in the fifth round, I would have been much happier. Uh, but instead, they drafted him at 93. Um, Chris Sims, he had him as a top five running back. So there's that for what it's worth. Uh, whether you agree with Chris Sims or not, uh, he had him as the number five running back in the draft. Uh, so that's definitely a fan there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's nothing special or fantastic, but he is a very powerful, just downhill. I'm going to hit the hole and then I'm just going to run as hard and as fast as I can. And he's got enough juice that if he hits a, hits a hole, hits a seam that he can get 20, 30, 40, 50 yards in a run. And if he doesn't, then he's probably going to churn out, you know, five yards here, eight yards there, and he's going to gain two, three, four yards after uh, somebody gets their hands on him anyways. Um, you know, if, if it's a linebacker, he's not moving backwards, he's moving forwards. And if it's a defensive back, he is going to run over them and probably drag them an extra three or four yards. But he's not going to make you miss. He's not going to make you miss. Uh, you'll probably catch him, but he's going to drag you a few extra yards. So that's Ty Davis Price. Uh, next up is our third selection. So our comp pick, pick 105, and we went with Danny Gray, wide receiver out of SMU. This is a guy, remember I was telling you, I am targeting one of these very, very fast guys. I wanted a very fast guy. What did we get? We got a very fast guy. I love it. So uh, he was, uh, oh, by the way, um, Drake Jackson, a top 30 meet. Uh, Ty Davis Price, official 30 meet. Danny Gray, official 30 meet. <laughs> so their first three picks, they met with every single one of them with a top 30 visit. Um, but yeah, what does Danny Gray bring? Speed. He is a speed specialist. He ran a 4-3-3 officially at the combine. Uh, it shows up on the film. I remember watching the film. Um I really liked it. Uh, he stood out a lot at the senior bowl. I really liked that. He has a good speed release stutter step. Um, he can stretch the field and he is very good at creating yards after the catch. So one thing that is interesting is looking at the different speed receivers. Danny Gray was the best at creating yards after catch Danny Gray is a guy where you can hit him with a slant and he can take it to the house because he just outruns everybody and breaks and an breaks the angles. Uh, he has smooth, uh, some notes that I put, I put the down, uh, this is my previous scouting report. Actually, I put uh, smooth speed, elusive, good vision after the catch. Um, so yeah, he's going to stretch the field. And here's what I love about this pick is he is going to stretch the field for Trey with Trey's huge arm. He's going to be a deep threat, but that's also going to open up room underneath and over the middle. So those clear out routes that Shanahan loves to run, we'll probably have a, there's going to be some type of formation and I don't know when exactly, but you're going to see Danny Gray motion into the slot, take off vertically carry a couple guys with him vertically. It's going to clear out space. Next thing you know, you're going to have Debo or Ayuk or Kittle on an in-breaking route, catching the ball 15 yards over the middle and then getting an extra 10 yards after catch. And that's going to happen over and over and over and over and over. 
So I love it. And then when they do finally clamp down, every once in a while, Denny Gray is just going to get open deep. And hey, oh, look at that. Trey just dropped a, uh, you know, 60 yard touchdown to Denny Gray. So I'm freaking pumped about it. It was really funny when uh, when we were getting ready to announce who it was. Uh, John and I were uh, live. I was like, hey, John, John, can I can I announce like the final pick? Because uh, it was the last pick of of the day. And uh, we were going to have to leave after it. And so I'm up there and it's like, all right, the pick is in, the pick is in. And we're like waiting. We're like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then Wayne Breezy's just like, yeah, <laughs> just starts screaming on the other side of the room. And we're like, oh, oh, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be good. And uh, about 10 seconds later or something like that, we found out Danny Gray and we're just like, oh, yeah, because <laughs> we all knew. We all knew what's going to happen when you get a legit 4-3 speed receiver on this team is it's going to open up the entire field. It's going to open deep shots. It's going to open play action deep shots. It's going to open a, a lot up over the middle. And uh, with with Trey back there, Trey loves to throw deep, throw outside the numbers. It's just it opens up the entire field, which opens up the run game, which opens up the power running game. And now you've got all these defensive backs and they're backing up and they're playing a cover two or a cover four shell, which is better to run against. So now you've got this power running up the middle and then they try and get down to the box and then you throw it over the top. So I love it. I love what this does uh, for the offense. Is Danny Gray going to be a Pro Bowl wide receiver getting a thousand yards a year? No, I, I don't think he will ever do that. I, I think Danny Gray is going to be a number three, number four receiver for probably the majority of his career. Um, he has some struggles. He's not perfect. Uh, he doesn't play with as much strength as other players. Uh, he has some concentration drops, but what he does to the defense, the defense must account for that speed, which unlocks the offense. And that's what I love about this pick. Danny Gray is probably realistically going to be a 500 to 18 to 800 yard receiver. Uh, I would like, I would guess four to 800 yards a year, uh, year in, year out. Realistically, that's, that's what I would probably expect. However, what he is going to do is make it so much easier on Trey, on Ayuk, on Debo, on Kittle, and on the run game. He is going to unlock the offense. So I love that. So that was our day two picks. Drake Jackson, edge out of USC our speedy, bendy, long edge rusher uh, that we can mold into a quarterback-killing machine, Ty Davis-Price, a downhill, powerful running back, and Danny Gray, a legit speed threat. Day three, we had a lot of picks. With the first pick, we went with Spencer Burford, offensive tackle out of UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio. Uh, we did meet with him. I don't think it was a official top 30 meet, but we did meet with him. Um, I wasn't super familiar with him, but the more I learn, the more I like. Uh, here's what he brings. Size, 
length and experience. Um, he is six foot four, so he's not super tall, uh, 315 pounds, but he does have nearly 35 inch long arms, 82 inch wingspan. He's a four year starter and he's only 21 years old. So four year starter, very long arms, good wingspan, uh, good mover. Um, and he's young, only 21 years old. Uh, his testing was pretty good. I think he ran uh, like a 5-140, which wasn't elite, but I do think it's still like 60th or 70th percentile for offensive tackles. Um, I have not watched any of his college film. What I did do was I went and I watched uh, the Senior Bowl practice reps, um, and I really liked it. Uh, what I saw in the Senior Bowl... Um, and again, this wasn't a lot. It was probably only realistically about 10 reps, but it was against good competition. You know, you're talking about legit guys that were drafted. So he was going up against uh, Kingsley Anogbure, uh, Barney, uh, Amare Barno. Um, uh, I don't remember all the other guys, but he, he went up against some legitimate um, edge rushers, a lot of day two and day three edge rushers that were drafted. So how did he fare against other draftable edge rushers and defensive linemen? He primarily lined up at offensive tackle. And here's what I saw was that he won a lot more than he lost. He probably won to me. It looked like about 75 or 80% of the reps, uh, which is in my opinion, very good when you're talking about going up against NFL caliber talent, which he was. I think he went up against Kingsley. I think I saw three reps and I think he won two of them. Uh, Amare Barno, like the speed rushers, he, he just, he stopped him in their tracks and he threw them down. He was a bully. I saw him throw guys to the ground during the practice reps, which I loved. I loved it so much. It, I put a smiley face in my notes because he was throwing guys to the ground. Um, I saw that he had good hands, good feet, good balance, and good play strength. Um, PFF have him rated as the 137th overall pick, uh, which, you know, you figure when you're picking a guy at 120 or 130, that makes sense. Uh, he had a 76 overall grade, a 78 run blocking grade, and an 80%, an 80 uh, zone blocking grade. Um, but yeah, I, the more I watch Spencer Burford, the more I like him. Um, I think that he has swing tackle. Um, I think that he could definitely be in the mix for playing swing tackle. I also think that he could play guard. Um, definitely think he could play guard. I, but I thought he was good enough playing tackle. Um, at least in terms of what I saw at the senior bowl, I thought he was good enough at, at tackle to play tackle. Um, but he could probably also kick into guard and play well there. So we've got an offensive tackle. He's probably going to compete for swing tackle. He's probably also going to be competing for, uh, a swing guard or a starting guard position. Uh, but Spencer Burford, I like him. Um, I'm going to have to watch more film because again, this is a guy that I hadn't watched any film on, but I like him. Next up is, uh, in the fifth round, we went with uh, our future Hall of Famer, because that's all we do in the fifth round is draft Hall of Famers, is Samuel Womack, 
corner out of Toledo. Now, I had never heard of Samuel Womack. My guess is you did not either. Uh, he was not on any of my... Uh, <laughs> he wasn't on any of my mock drafts. I don't even remember seeing him in the mock draft machines. He was not on... Uh, he was not in a couple of the draft guides that I watch. Uh, I think he was in The Athletics, The Beast... And I think that's the only one that had him was the Athletics, the Beast. Um, so yeah, uh, who is Sam Womack? Well, what I see is Sam Womack is probably a slot corner. He it seems like primarily played outside corner, but his size, being that he's about five nine, one hundred and ninety pounds, uh, that tells me most likely he is going to be a slot corner. He also has 32 inch long arms, which is pretty good for that. Uh, pretty good for uh, his size, five nine one ninety with 32 inch arms. Um, he on his at his um, pro day, he had a four three nine forty. So he's got sub four four speed. He had a sub seven second three cone, which is very good. I think it was like a a six, eight something, which is very good. And, uh, that's great because in the slot, you want that ability to change direction very quickly. Uh, that agility, he was a walk on at Toledo. Then he earned a scholarship and proceeded to lead his team in pass breakups in 2019, 2020 and 2021. And he led all of FBS, all FBS. So all of it in pass breakups in 2019 and 2021. Great production. Um, I think that, uh, I think someone on the Niners scouting staff, I forget who it was. They said that he had, 37 uh, career pass breakups in college is as a three-year starter. So that's crazy. You know, three years in college and just massive ball production. Um, you definitely want that much in terms of like pass breakups. That is awesome. So again, you're talking a, a slot size, but he's got speed. He's got agility. He's got production. Um, I really like it. I'm, I'm excited to watch some film if I can find some film. Um, but yeah, he is going to be in the mix at slot corner. So yeah, I mean, it could be Demo Lenore. It could be Emmanuel Mosley. It could be Sam Womack. Um, you know, he's probably going to be a special teams contributor figure. If you're getting sub four, four speed, have him go down there on a, you know, like uh kick duties, punt duties, you know, just like fly down there, make some tackles. So yeah, I'm excited about Sam Womack. Um, it's going to be interesting trying to find some film because I don't think that I have any uh, Toledo all 22. <laughs> that'll, uh, that'll be tricky. Uh, the next pick. So in the sixth round, we went with another offensive lineman. We went with Nick Zakelge. Uh, or Nick Zakel, offensive tackle out of Fordham. And I've never heard of that college, and I've never heard of this guy. 
Uh, he is 6'6", 315, a little bit shorter with 32.5-inch arms. Um, yeah, again, not familiar with the player, uh, not even familiar with the school. Uh, it's a sixth rounder. My general understanding is he is a, a good athlete. When I watched, he was also at the Senior Bowl. So he did go to the Senior Bowl. And what I saw was he was about 50-50 in terms of wins and losses. Um, I saw quick feet, but sometimes he had bad foot placement. So, like, his feet were fast, but sometimes he would, like, almost trip over himself. Um, It looked like he was losing leverage due to a lack of core strength. So he needs to build his core strength. Um, work on his leverage. It's a little bit tricky when you're six foot six with shorter arms uh, in terms of leverage. So he's going to need to develop some core strength. I did saw. I did also see that I think he had good hands. So quick feet, good hands, but not the best foot technique, and uh, needs to gain some strength. So that was what I saw. Uh, they said he could be maybe a maybe a guard, maybe a center. Uh, PFF had him rated as the 257th overall player. Um, so, you know, they were basically saying, Hey, you know, seventh rounder slash UDFA and we got him in the sixth round. So, you know, it is what it is in the sixth round. You're basically just kind of like throwing darts at a dartboard. Uh, but he had a 74 overall grade, a 78 run blocking grade and a 76 zone blocking grade. I'm going to pause real quick because i got to plug my computer in here before it dies. All right, and I am back. Computer was telling me it was about to die. <clears throat> cool. So, yeah, finishing up what I was saying about Zick, Nick, uh, Nick Zickel. Um, again, hadn't heard of him, hadn't even heard of college. Senior Bowl, he looked solid, you know, figure about 50-50. And uh, consensus is he was basically a seventh rounder. We got him in the sixth. We'll see. Um, I don't know if he makes the team or not. Um, Since we have a lot of offensive linemen now, but hey, you know what? I'll take it. Just uh, it's, it's more depth. It's more competition. And I like the fact that they, to me, this tells me that they are serious about protecting Trey. That's the general thought that I'm getting. All right. Uh, The next pick, uh, of course, the Niners would go defensive line again. (laughs) So pick 220, they went Kalia Davis, defensive tackle out of UCF. So Central Florida. This was another meet. So I think this was another one of their official top 30 meets. So. Uh, Kalia Davis is six foot one, 300 pounds, 33 inch arms. Uh, the Niners scouting staff specifically said that this guy reminded them a little bit of DJ Jones. So they made a DJ Jones comp for him. He is a explosive penetrating defensive tackle. That's what he does. And, uh, you know what? This is the next DJ Jones, I guess. Um, now he does have some injury issues. Um, he did tear his ACL in October of last year. So he is likely to be starting the season on the pup list, uh, meaning physically unable to perform. Um, 
they are going to give him plenty of time to get healthy, and I'm all for it. Um, the cool thing about this pick is, uh, first off, it's a sixth rounder and it's a sixth round compensatory pick. So it's kind of like a bonus pick. And being that we now have, I think with Drake Jackson and Kalia Davis, I think we have 13 or 14 defensive linemen, depending on whether or not you want to count D Ford, even though he's going to just remain injured and on the team for like two years until they can uh, clear his cap. Um, But you know what? He doesn't need to play. He does not need to play at all. They have so many defensive linemen. He can stay on the pup. He can rehab. And when he is ready, I'm sure they will lose a defensive lineman to injury at some point during the first three months of the season. And, uh, you know, once we're two or three months into the season, he will probably be ready to come in and he will serve as a fresh, healthy, rotational defensive lineman. So I don't hate it at all. Um, Obviously, you worry about the injury history, but again, you're talking uh, basically a seventh round pick. Now, here is what is cool. PFF had him ranked as 166th overall. 82 overall grade and an 85 run defense grade. That is, um, I don't know the exact percentile, but I think that was like 90th percentile for defensive tackles in terms of run defense grade. So this guy is a very, very, very good defensive run stuffing, penetrating nose tackle slash three technique. Um, Converted linebacker. So he actually started at linebacker and moved to defensive tackle. Um, It's going to be fun. I didn't have a chance to watch any of his film or highlights or anything. I'm going to have to, but uh, I I did see one or two plays that people were kind of spreading around Twitter and the kid can move. He can move. Um, He is an explosive penetrating defensive tackle. So um, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, they said they really liked him. They really liked his, uh, um, they really liked just his, uh, his personality, his tape, obviously how he plays. Um, so you know what? He's, he's probably going to, again, not going to play a whole lot as a rookie. He'll probably show up playing at some point halfway through the season. Um, and he's going to be primarily, you know, playing against the run, but you know what? I'll take it. It should be a good pick, and if he's the next DJ Jones, then that's awesome. And if he's not, oh well. It was pick 220, uh, which is a basically a, a seventh-round pick at this point. It was the second-to-last pick in the sixth round. So, yeah, you, again, you're kind of just throwing darts at the dartboard here. <laughs> um, the next guy is that uh, they went right after that with pick 221, was Tyreek Castro-Fields, corner out of Penn State. Um, I'm actually surprised that Tyreek Castro-Fields fell this far. I thought that he was probably going to be uh, like a third or a fourth round pick. Um, I personally, I thought he did very, very well at the Senior Bowl, and then I watched his film, and it didn't look nearly as good. I think that what it is is that there's a specific thing that he's good at and some stuff that he's not good at. So Tyreek Castro-Fields is uh, just a shade over six foot, 
tall, so between six foot and six one, uh, about 195 pounds. He ran a 4.3840. So he has long speed. Um, he is lacking some agility, but he is very much a press man or press zone corner. So I don't know if you're kind of seeing a trend here, but to me, uh, Tyreek Castro Fields is very similar to Ambry Thomas. Uh, remember, Ambry Thomas played a lot of press man at Michigan, and he needed some time to learn how to play off zone coverage. He struggled a lot initially, and he looked very uncomfortable in off zone coverage. Tyreek Castro Fields, to me, very, very similar. He's a press man corner. He was at his best when he could press, when he could jam, when he could stay in contact with receivers, when he could use his speed and his length to keep up with them and, uh, you know, make a play on the ball and get a pass breakup. But he also looked like, uh, also like Ambry Thomas, a little bit tight in the hips, and he's going to need to learn to develop in zone. To me, he looked a lot more uncomfortable. And I did watch, I did watch again, some films. So, um, I watched his senior bowl. Uh, I watched his senior bowl practice reps. I really liked those. And then when I watched his film, I thought he was good in press and I thought he looked, uh, uh, not nearly as good in, in like an off zone. Um, let me actually pull up PFFs, uh, draft guide here because they actually brought this up too interior corners Castro fields here we go uh corner versus off zone he only allowed five of 14 for 73 yards in press last season so when he's in press man coverage he is very 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 good um he is, uh, he's not going to be somebody who gets a lot of, um, he's not going to be somebody who gets a lot of interceptions. He's not a ball hawk. Um, but he was very good in press, man. He was very good in press. And, uh, he was also very good in the red zone. Only three career touchdowns allowed in his entire college career. Um, but he's just, he's very good at being physical throughout the route. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, but yeah, he's a press man. He's press zone. But again, he is uh, he is definitely lacking in terms of his, uh, his zone grade. Um, I did not like him in off zone coverage. He just, he looked uncomfortable. I think he relies a little bit too much. So he's going to need some development. But again, you know what? That's okay. Because realistically, he is on our team, the number four outside corner, because you got Traverius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley. There's number one, number two, number three, Ambry Thomas plays outside. So you're going to need two people to go down before Tyreek Castro Fields has to, has to come in and play outside corner. He is your number four outside corner. So that's fine with me. He's got time to develop and uh, he's likely going to play a lot on special teams. So again, um, not perfect, but again, similar to Ambry Thomas. Um, I, I like the, I like the physical profile, the traits. I like how he plays. I just think he really needs to develop his off zone, um, feel, uh, he relies a little bit too much on press. 
So that's just my thoughts on Tyreek Castro Fields. And then with the final pick in the NFL draft, Mr. Irrelevant himself, Brock Purdy, quarterback out of Iowa. So again, I can't believe that the Niners didn't make a single trade. They kept every single one of their picks and uh, go figure. We drafted a quarterback uh, with uh, the very last pick in the draft, pick number 262. So Trey Lance, I guess, better watch out because, you know, Brock Purdy just got drafted. So, you know, um, yeah. So the way I see it and what they basically said was uh, when at that point in the draft, uh, they realized that they were going to need to add another quarterback for training camp. And this was somebody who they had targeted as a uh, like a target for a UDFA, but he was available and it was the last pick in the draft. So why not? Uh, the Niners always like to go into training camp with four quarterbacks. This guy is going to be number four. And since Jimmy can't throw uh, until training camp, they're going to need another guy to throw. So why not get Mr. Irrelevant quarterback Brock Purdy out of Iowa? Now I will say, um, depending on how well he plays and depending on what happens to Jimmy, he definitely has the potential to be a long-term backup, uh, for the team. Uh, he is possibly going to either be quarterback three or on the practice squad. Uh, he's a fun player to root for uh, a couple comps. Uh, so the Niners staff, uh, compared him kind of to Nick Mullins. I think of him as Nick Mullins plus. Uh, I think he's got a little better. I think he's got a little better arm and a little bit more agility, uh, just like movement ability over Nick Mullins. Uh, So I called him Nick Mullins plus. Uh, I also heard somebody say shades of Colt McCoy. Uh, But ultimately what you're getting here is you're getting a quarterback with four years of starting experience in college Uh, His career stats, 46 starts, career passing percentage, 67.7, and I believe it was uh, about 71 or 72% his senior season, over 12,000 career college passing yards, 81 career touchdowns to 33 interceptions, Uh, and then you add into that 1,100 rushing yards and 19 rushing touchdowns. So that's what you're getting with Brock Purdy. Uh, he's a fun player to root for. Uh, I'm excited to go watch some of his highlights and stuff. Um, he's agile in the pocket. He's got good accuracy and he's got an average arm. Um, I would say that realistically his his goal should be to become a long-term uh, backup in the NFL. He's a guy that can come in and I believe he that I believe that he can come in and learn a playbook and efficiently operate an offense for a short amount of time. Um, you know, he's I don't think he's ever gonna be a full time starter, but I I heard very good things about his personality, uh, the way that he approaches the game, his leadership. He's the kind of guy you want in a locker room, you know, all that intangible stuff. And uh, I like it. You know what? Let's let's get another rookie in here. 
If he makes the team, that's awesome. You've got a backup quarterback on a four-year rookie deal. If he doesn't, oh, well, it's the last pick on the draft. You put him on the practice squad. Um, he's probably going to be fun to watch in preseason. Um, you know, he runs around a little bit, and he likes to sling the ball. And Yeah, you know, it's, it's fun. Um, I'll take it. So, Mr. Irrelevant, quarterback Brock Purdy out of Iowa. Um, and, uh, yeah, what is, what does this mean? What does this mean about Jimmy? What does this mean? What about, what about Trey? Yeah, it means nothing. It means they need somebody to throw the ball throughout training camp and stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know what? Uh, good stuff. Um, let me see here if there was anything special about, uh, Brock Purdy. I don't even think PFF had him on here. Uh, yeah, no, he wasn't even on there. <laughs> anyway, so. So those are all the picks. So again, what's the theme that we're seeing here? Uh, we're adding edge rusher, cornerback depth. So that kind of tells you what they're looking at on defense. Uh, again, a speed rusher, um, a penetrating defensive tackle, an outside corner who can develop, a nickel corner depth, uh, some special teams work. Uh, you added two offensive linemen, a field stretching receiver, and a downhill running back so kind of gives you an idea about how um how they plan to kind of play the game um one thing i do really like about lynch and shanahan is that they seem to be very much on the same page in terms of drafting players that match the scheme i know that's one thing that uh that bulky and harbaugh did not do well was have the same idea of who they want. So it's, it's nice to see them aligning. Um, and I think that that, uh, the, the way that they've drafted kind of shows you what their plans are moving forward and how they want to build the team and how they're planning on uh, building and playing their offense and defense defense through the trenches. And uh, we're going to stretch the field vertically and then we're going to pound it down your throat. So I love it. So we're going to finish off. I want to get into real quick, the uh, undrafted free agents that we've signed so far. So the big ones, uh, Donovan West center, somehow Donovan West center out of ASU went undrafted. Um, I don't know how, uh, maybe he's too young. Maybe he just doesn't have the power. Um, but he went undrafted. He is very young. He's only 20 years old. He is very athletic and very agile uh, for an offensive lineman. I think he needs to build some power and some strength. Um, but hey, you know what? We got him undrafted. Um, and not only that, they gave him 100000 guaranteed. So there is a good chance that he makes the roster. And if he doesn't make the roster, he's definitely making the practice squad. You don't just hand out a hundred thousand guaranteed to a UDFA. That's that's a lot for a UDFA. Um, so yeah, Donovan West. So we didn't draft a center, but we got an undrafted one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like that. Uh, there's some potential there to develop for sure. Uh, we also picked up Jason Poe. Offensive guard uh, slash center slash fullback out of Mercer. 
Uh, I don't know Mercer College. I never watched the film. Uh, I never heard anything about this guy. Uh, but he is six foot one, three hundred pounds. He was an official meet, and he is an elite athlete. His testing at his pro day, he was like ninetieth percentile at everything. Uh, the dude runs like a four nine at six foot three hundred pounds. Um, he was, uh, not only was he doing, uh, like center and like center, like hike the ball, do your pass blocking reps. He was out there running routes. So yeah, he was running routes and catching the ball. Like, like he was playing fullback or tight end at six, one, 300 pounds. Um, and he looked good. Like people, that big don't move like that. Um, so he's definitely a developmental prospect. Like there's a reason why Jason Poe went undrafted, even though he's like 90th percentile in all of his athletic testing, but, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm excited to see what his film is. Um, I, I don't know how human that size can move like that. I highly encourage you to find his, uh, his, his whatever that video was where he was out there doing his pass blocking reps and then also like running routes and catching because it's crazy to see an offensive lineman move like that running down the field catching the ball uh turning it up field <laughs> i was like oh my goodness uh so yeah jason poe um that's a fun one but again, adding some interior offensive line depth uh, and very agile ones as well. So a couple of very, very athletic and agile interior offensive linemen. Uh, we also picked up Leon O'Neill, safety out of Texas A&M. Uh, I know a lot of people are big fans of Leon O'Neill. Um, some of my notes. Uh, and again, Leon O'Neill, Texas A&M, safety, 6'1", 210 pounds. Uh, my notes from watching the film, physical and fun. He's a downhill hitter. He loves to hit people. He's quick to react and smart. He has really good agility and change of direction, but lacks makeup speed. He has to rely on perfect pursuit angles and his agility. He flies around and he's fun to watch, but missed tackles are a big concern, and he ran a 4-7-40. But he also ran a 6-8-3 cone, and uh, I had a 5th uh, or 6th round grade on him. He's a really fun player to watch. Um, and again, he's got he's got good change of direction and agility, uh, great instincts, uh, and just loves to hit people, uh, makes plays on the ball. It's just it's very difficult to be a successful safety when you run a four seven and you miss a lot of tackles. I watched one game and he had four or five missed tackles. He's terrible in terms of missed tackle rate. And uh, four seven is uh, yeah, it's everything is there except the speed and the tackling. Unfortunately, those are very important for a safety. <laughs> uh, but Leon O'Neill, he's going to be a fan favorite, and who knows, he might make the team. We'll see. Uh, kind of like Talano Hafunga, except uh, Hafunga can tackle. Uh, next up, we added a couple receivers. So we added Tay Martin, wide receiver out of I believe it was Oklahoma State. Uh, he was an official meet. He is 6'2", 185, so he is very lean. Uh, he's quick, not fast, so he ran a 45740. Um, but he is uh, he's lean, he has good agility, 
Uh, not a great route runner, uh, but he has great body control and uh, agility uh, at the catch point. So what I saw the on on just watching a little bit was he's got that that's my ball mentality. Uh, like the ball's coming his way and he is going to um, adjust his body and uh, he's gonna he's gonna jump up, adjust his body, reach out, snag the ball out of the air uh, and box off the defender. So that was what I saw uh, on film. Uh, fun to watch. I think he had over a thousand receiving yards his last season. Uh, we also picked up Taysir Mack, uh, wide receiver out of, uh, I want to say Pitt. I think he was one of Kenny Pickett's favorite guys. 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, he ran a 4'5'5", so similar speed. Um, he was much stronger. He was more of a, a physical uh, receiver. Tay Martin was more of a uh, kind of agility, body positioning, uh, jump up, make a play on the ball and use your body control. This guy was much more of just a, a, a physically strong receiver, you know, 6'2", 200. Um, yeah, and I, I do think it's interesting that we're getting a bunch of these 6'2 wide receivers out here. Remember, so these two guys are both six foot two. Uh, we drafted a speed guy that's 5'11", but if you remember, uh, we've got uh, the other two guys that we uh, picked up. I forget who their names were, uh, just because they were just, you know, like wide receiver four or five guys. Um, but they were also like 6'1", 6'2", uh, kind of like bigger receivers. So uh, that's kind of just uh, something interesting that Shanahan is bringing in a bunch of these six foot two receivers. We also picked up UDFA uh, Jeremiah Gremel or Gemmel uh, out of uh, NC North Carolina linebacker six foot one two hundred twenty five pounds. Uh, he is a off ball coverage linebacker. PFF gave him a seventy six overall zone coverage grade, which is good for a linebacker. Uh, he only had a 9% missed tackle rate, which is very good for a linebacker. Um, and it's always good to add depth at linebacker. He was a three-year starter and he was a team captain there for two years. Um, again, I don't expect him to make the team or anything like that. Um, but I know that our team is very good at developing linebackers. So picking up an undrafted linebacker, you know, throw him on the practice squad, develop him for a year, uh, next year, we're either going to have to pay Greenlaw or Aziz. Um, and then after that, you know, we've got um, we've got Greenlaw, we've got Aziz. Uh, there's the other guy, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, the safety that we converted to a linebacker. And then uh, whoever the guy was that we picked up in free agency, uh, the special teamer. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to need, chances are he's not going to make the team, but He's probably somebody that we can stash on the practice squad. And if he develops, potentially, he could, you know, make the team in a year or two. Um, we also added another linebacker, uh, Sagoon Olubi. No idea. Uh, linebacker out of uh, San Diego State. Six foot, 225. All I know about him is he ran a 44440. <laughs> And a 7.03 cone. Um, so a little bit on the small side for a linebacker at 6'2", 225. But great speed and uh, good short area agility with that 3 cone. 
I'm going to have to watch him. Also, we added Taylor Hawkins, uh, a corner slash safety, um, also out of San Diego State. So I'm going to have to watch uh, some of that defensive film since I got a linebacker and a uh, defensive back to watch. He is six foot, 203 pounds. He ran a 4-5-40, and he is an enforcer. Um, I just watched about two minutes of highlights, and uh, he played outside corner. He also played safety, and he loves to just lay the boom. Like, he just comes downhill and just knocks guys on their asses. So that was fun. I'm excited to go watch uh, some film. Uh, so Saguna Luby and uh, Taylor Hawkins, both out of San Diego State, a couple on draft defensive guys. Uh, we added a couple running backs, I believe. Uh, I don't think this is official yet, um, but I did see it uh, going around Twitter based on one or two sources. So Jordan Mason, running back out of Georgia Tech, uh, 5'11", 220 pounds. So again, you got a thicker running back, uh, 4'5", not all that fast. Uh, he's thicker. He runs hard. He was all right. You know, he's honestly, he's probably just a camp body. Um, I, I, I don't think he's going to make the team or be anything. He's probably just going to take some reps in camp. Uh, we also added, uh, Cyrus Habibi Lioko or Lakio, uh, running back out of Oregon, six foot two twenty, ran a four seven. Um, he was very meh. I looked at his highlights and it was like, <laughs> it was like a couple three yard runs up the middle. And I was like, this is not a highlight. <laughs> Uh, so nothing really exciting there. Uh, we added Garrett Walston, uh, tight end, also out of North Carolina, 6'4", 240. Uh, ran a 4.8540. So okay, a little bit small uh, to be a, a inline tight end. I think he was mostly a pass catching tight end, and a 4.85 isn't all that fast. Again, chances are just a camp body. Didn't see anything special, but I'll try and see if I can find something. Uh, we also added defensive tackle Kevin Atkins, uh, 6'2", 315. That's all I know. And uh, also offensive lineman Sam Schluter. Uh, no idea beyond uh, the name. The big ones, though, and the ones that you'll want to keep an eye on realistically, uh, Donovan West, Jason Poe, Leon O'Neal, Tay Martin, and probably uh, Jeremiah Gemmel. Uh, maybe Taylor Hawkins. We'll see. Uh, maybe if he's a, a good safety, he's got a, a good chance. Um, maybe not to make the team, but uh, we will see. He was uh, His highlights, at least the one minute of it, was pretty fun. But yeah, UDFAs, Donovan West, Jason Poe, Leon O'Neal, Tay Martin, and uh, Jeremiah Gemmel, probably the ones worth paying attention to. I think that's pretty much everything. Uh, this was a long episode, but we had a lot to go over with the draft. Um it was an awesome time, though. Um, I really hope that you enjoyed this. Uh, realistically, at this point, um, I don't know how much more, uh, how much I'm going to be doing podcasting-wise moving forward. Uh, I am going to keep doing probably one a week. I think at this point, what I'm going to be doing is uh, trying to do film breakdowns primarily of our draft, uh, of the guys that we drafted. Uh, especially since I didn't have a chance to watch most of them. Like I scouted Danny Gray. Uh, I watched one game of his. I think I watched uh, SMU versus Houston. Um, but I never watched Drake Jackson, never watched Ty Davis Price, never watched Spencer Burford, never watched Samuel Mack, 
Never watched Nick Zakel. Never watched Kalia Davis. Uh, never watched Brock Purdy. Did watch Tyreek Castro-Fields, uh, one game of his. So I officially have watched one game of two of the nine guys we drafted. So I'm going to have to go watch some film. Um, but that's probably what we're going to be doing moving forward is watching the film. Uh, I believe that the Niners currently have, I think, 88 out of their 90-man roster filled. Uh, so I will also say that I would expect us to add potentially one or two or three more players. If I remember correctly, I think they signed safety um, uh, KZ. Is it Dante or Demontre KZ? I think they uh, picked up KZ on a one-year deal. Um, so potentially that's another safety. And... Yeah, we might have one or two more uh, spots available. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. Uh, this is a long one, but it was a long draft. There was a lot to go over. And uh, again, it was uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, sh- again, just huge shout out. If I met you in Vegas, it was awesome. Uh, I had a fun time, legitimately. It was great meeting all the fans out there. Um, and just like hanging with people and talking football uh it's not something that i get a chance to do as much <laughs> uh just in my like normal day-to-day life you know you, you if you're like me you you go to work you work a job and maybe every once in a while there's a fan there and you can talk football for like 30 seconds here or there and then you go home and maybe you have a spouse that pays attention to football and maybe they don't and maybe they'll understand and talk to you about it or maybe they don't but you know, this is kind of our outlet. We've got our podcasts and our YouTubes and, uh, you know, we, we watch the games and we watch highlights and we play Madden and we are, uh, we are football addicts and, uh, we're, we're a weird breed, but, uh, I appreciate you guys. And if I met you in Vegas, it was awesome. If I haven't met you yet, uh, just know that I still appreciate you as a listener and uh, I'm looking forward to just keeping this going. So with that being said, I'm going to get out of here. Appreciate all of you. Uh, Like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies. And uh, as always, go Niners.